0: Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. Here is your host, Tom Verbruggen.
1: Welcome to episode 15 of Drone Business Talk. We're back with our Pioneers of the Drone Industry series, and today's guest is Rashid, Chief Pilot from Digital Horizon. Welcome, Rashid. How are you doing?
0: Thank you. I'm doing great, Leonard. And you?
1: I'm doing fine as well. Um, it's uh, it's actually really, really, really bad weather here in Belgium. It's like minus 10, so uh, so we're all freezing here. Um, how is that in Nigeria? Uh,
0: well, I'm in Port Harcourt. Uh, Port Harcourt is um, a bit dry right now, but we're expecting the rains to come in very soon and it's about 29 degrees centigrade right now. Oh, okay. So,
1: <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. And yeah. um, Rashid, could you maybe introduce uh, yourself a little bit and the company um, that you work for, Digital Horizon? Okay.
0: My name is uh, Surveyor Rashid at DBC. I work with Digital Horizon, an indigenous Nigerian survey and engineering firm. I am the chief pilot of Digital Horizon uh that's added to some other responsibilities i have i'm the head of department for surveying i also head the quality control and quality assurance section of the company my background i'll add is surveying so my activities with drone is centered around surveying basically
1: yeah um digital horizon is a company that started a long time ago. I read on your yes. uh, website since 1996. 1990, yes. Yes, 1996. Um, since when are drones um, incorporated in the services that you provide?
0: Uh, we started incorporating drones around 2018, I would say. Okay. Yes, we had interest from 2017 and management started preparing us for it uh, and then 2018, I got my uh, RPL from the South African Civil Aviation Authority, and uh, we got some. Uh, oh, okay, we got. That was the basic um, consumer-grade drone, and then 2018, 2019, we carried out some projects for some clients.
1: Right. Um, what you're saying there is that um, you you had to get your license um, in South Africa, your RPL. Um, yes why is it that it's not possible in nigeria
0: uh that's because f- presently we don't have an approved institution to to um, issue an rpl you could get trained okay. on flight and all that but we don't have uh, uh an approved ato as an aircraft training organization approved by this nigerian civil aviation authority to issue an rpl there are quite a number of organizations i know working towards that we have a uh, uh, i think the nigerian college of Aviation technology in zaria i know they are working towards uh, becoming an ato to issue rpls i know one or two other private businesses are working towards that but as i speak we don't have any approved uh, ato to issue an rpl
1: why, why, why do you think is that? Because in other countries um, they like in South Africa, there's quite a lot of them, right?
0: Yes, yes. I, before going to South Africa, I actually wrote to the CAA. And as at that time, they gave me a list of five ATOs. Um, well, I think for Nigeria, um, I think we just have a bit of a snag in getting the framework fully in place. Um, we the, the, the regulation for even uh, having an ROC and all of that is um, still in the works. The NCAA is working on it; they've been working on it, but um, we don't have it fully approved yet, to my knowledge. We we have um, some basic regulations to work with, but the full regulation has not been released yet. And I think, uh, like I said earlier, that I know quite a few organisations are working towards becoming ATOs to issue RPL, but as far as I know, there's none of them yet that's been approved by the
1: CAA. Okay, and um, is it? I'm 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 very curious about um, is it is it the NCAA that is that is holding it down, or are they just not ready yet, and they don't have the legislation yet to to provide um, the ATOs with certificates?
0: I think the, the legislation, even though not fully released, is there. Uh, but I think um, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to place my hands exactly on what is slowing it down, but maybe some bureaucracy, yeah, I would say, some bureaucracy and um, some requirements. Um, I, I I give you an example. My company has been working on, um, getting an ROC for a while now. Uh yeah, we are still with the CAA. We are trying to get that documentation you know, straightened out and all that. So sometimes you know bureaucracy could slow things down a bit. Yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, I think that that is the case everywhere. Um how is it how is it to get um a flight permission to go do your drone flights? Um because for example, um I I know someone in Nigeria um, who does drone operations on oil rigs, um, and he's been doing it for, for quite some time. Um, how is how is the process of getting um, acceptance from the NCAA to go do your flights? How, how does it work?
0: Uh, for now, um, the, the easiest way is for you to walk through an organization that has an ROC. Mm-hmm. Because definitely you need to file in a flight plan and get um, the closest airport notified and all of that requirement. So uh, the easiest is to walk through an organization that has an ROC. Uh, and then sometimes, uh, well, all operations i have carried out so far have been way off um, sensitive areas, I. Mm-hmm don't carry out any operations in sensitive areas, except if I can do it through an ROC presently. Yeah. Yes. So we'll, if you go through an ROC, you have normal procedures. You go through the NCAA, you file in a flight plan and you get an approval. Yes. So that's uh, basic,
1: actually. Okay. Um, so earlier you told me that right now um, you're the, 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 the single pilot of the company. Yes. Um and that you're that you're looking to, to expand um to, to more pilots. Yes. Um, does that mean that so Digital Horizon doesn't have an ROC, right? We are working towards it. Yeah. Seriously so, towards it. Not Okay, today. so it's gonna come together, right? As soon as you get the ROC you're gonna hire more pilots. Yes. Um hire train more guys from
0: within because we, we are we have quite a number of of surveyors on ground, so
1: Okay. how big? How big is Digital Horizon actually?
0: Uh, Digital Horizon, uh, I would say, we have have a staff strength of uh, over 20, 20 to twenty-five staff.
1: All right. And is it mainly on land that you do surveys, or, or are there oh. other surveys as well?
0: No, no, no. We we, uh, we work both on land and offshore. So we're involved in land surveys hydrography uh basically in fact uh, i think we are known more for hydrography in the oil and gas industry yes
1: could you maybe explain um to the listeners that don't know what it is what hydrography is
0: oh hydrography is the branch of surveying that is done at sea or (laughs) over water bodies (laughs) i would say that's simplified that's simplified but um you know, surveys you do at sea, basically not on land. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you could be positioning a, a rig, could be uh, surveying the seabed. You could be pre- doing a survey in preparation for uh, a pipe lay, mm-hmm. which is also relating to the seabed as well. So, hydrography survey that is done on water. That's simplified.
1: All right. I, I don't know much about hydrography. Hydrography um, Does it have like the same regulations um, as with roads? Is it also with different spaces that you have to get different requests for? Or is it more like, is it a more free environment?
0: Uh, it, ha- it has its own restrictions as well. Um, I know like um, there are some categories of all the jobs you do in hydrography, you need to notify the Nigerian Navy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um you also because most of the jobs you do in hydrography, most are for oil servicing firms. So they basically have their own structure on the ground. They have their security structure, they have their area cordoned off and all that. So um, you work within their Structure, yeah. whatever structure they have on the ground, but you know we have the the, the national regulations and requirements also for some um, jobs that require you to notify, you know, the authorities uh, like the navy, like the Nigerian Ports Authority, like the Nigerian Inland Waterway Authority. You know, depending on the kind of projects you're carrying out. But uh, for me, it's something that uh, I've been thinking about. I know quite a few people who have been involved in it, but it's an interest for me incorporating, you know, my yeah. knowledge of the drones into hydrography. That's
1: something yeah, I absolutely
0: quite get interested in. I give you an example: um, if you want to position a, a rig, say for example, uh, you're going there for even if you've been there before, you need to take what we call an offset, like to measure the dimensions of that rig. So you represent it on a positioning system. And I've found myself asking the question, why can't I carry out an offset or I carry out an aerial mapping of this rig using a drone? Mm -hmm. And then that way I'll have a more precise outline of this rig from the drone imagery than doing it either manually or using a total station, which will still have some degree of um, error. You know, yeah. uh, if I did that with a drone, I would have minimal error depending on, you know, my flying height and all the other parameters that are involved. So for me, it's been looking at how to incorporate, you know, uh, the drone into all aspects of my survey operations and my, my yeah, my software operations, I would say.
1: And and where did you learn that? Because obviously um, I can imagine that the, the drone industry is still Um, pretty small within Nigeria it's not gigantic Um, like in in South Africa it's probably a lot bigger than in Nigeria how did did you learn all this stuff?
0: Um, I would say like uh, okay Uh, I talked about um, uh, personal interests because Mm -hmm. even before my management got interested as such I already had my interest in it personally Mm -hmm. I had been doing some reading I had been doing some research on my own and everything i have learned about um, physical and hands-on operation has been from personal interest and in research because when i went for my rpl i actually didn't go there to learn mm-hmm. you get there to be assessed on how well you can do it not learning so it's just from personal interest you know
1: yeah i think that that's very cool man um i think a lot of people um don't don't make it that far from on personal interest yeah um what kind of drones do you use then?
0: um for now basically the consumer grade dji phantom 4 pro version 2. yeah and then some of the smaller ones for practice i think but i i am building up my interest in getting into fixed wings
1: Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. fixed wings, um, and and for what use case would they be then for serving, um, for what yes. kind of surveys?
0: Okay, uh, um, now getting drones into the survey, uh, field is, um, I will say okay, uh, what's the word now? Cost saving, mm-hmm. uh, cut down on. Time in the field and, uh, you know, reducing personnel exposure. But depending on the kind of drone, as you would know, like we, I, I am more conversant with a quadcopter for now. And you, you would know that uh, with the quadcopter, the endurance is limited. Yeah. For example, with the DJI Phantom 4, we're looking at maybe 15 to 20 minutes of flight time. But if you have a fixed wing... You have a higher endurance, and you can do more. So, yeah. yeah. So, what I I believe we should be able to achieve with a fixed wing in um, maybe an hour of flight would take maybe six to seven flights with a quadcopter to achieve. So, a fixed wing also what what basically what it does is it increases your reach in the surveying. Uh, field now it increases your reach you can do more in less
1: time yeah can you can you fly in nigeria um, beyond visual line of sight
0: yes you can as long as you meet the requirements of the NCA. the NCA have requirements for uh beyond visual line of sight flights yes there, there are requirements for that i'm not too conversant with that because i haven't gotten into it yet but i know There are requirements
1: for that, and you can do it. All right. Earlier, you said um, that that bringing drones into the surveying workspace um, saves money, um, saves time, um, saves people to save jobs. Um, How is it to bring the drone culture into the surveying culture? Because I can imagine that the surveying culture can be quite threatened by the drones coming in and taking people's jobs. Is that something that you guys worry about or was it just an, an embracing of the, of the industry? Well,
0: um, I think it's just like any other innovation. Some people will definitely feel threatened. Uh, the, the, let me say now, the, the mobile phone, I, I think at the onset of the mobile phone, some people mm-hmm. felt threatened, but the ones who survive are the ones who are able to adapt and flow. With, like for me now, getting into drones is actually from a realization that this is going to be the future, whether you like it or not. Because like in Africa, we are going to need to get to a point where we'll have to get a lot done in short time. Because our mapping culture is not as um, robust as we have in more developed uh, environments, so the drone is there to uh, as an option to get much more done in less time. So when the time comes and this becomes an option, well, I don't want to be in the back seats. So I, definitely, a lot of people will feel threatened, but the wise ones will learn to get. You know get along and then you know um where you need to evolve start evolving i i, I started working professionally as a surveyor in uh 1990 i mean sorry 2008 2008 yeah. but i started um getting into the drone thing in 2018 thereabouts so that's like 10 years after yeah. i became a surveyor I mean, started working as a professional in the survey, so, yeah, survey field. So it's never too late. That's one thing I believe. It's never too late. Uh, it's, and it's better late
1: than never. Absolutely. Um, one of the problems there um, that, that we see um, everywhere around the world is that um, people are not that keen on accepting the drone industry because it has a lot of negative connotations with it drones, um, definitely because yeah, the military had it for 15 years and did awful things with it. Um, and now the general perception of drones, um, it's, it's changing. Um, but how is that in Nigeria? Because here in Belgium, people don't like drones. Like if you go fly out with your drone, people will come tell you, like, hey, take it down, blah, 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 blah. How is that, how is that in Nigeria?
0: Um, I don't think we, we have so much apathy. The drone in Nigeria, I think um, there's some acceptance. I think there's some acceptance, uh, but I, I don't think we have so much um, negative uh, um, reactions to the drone. I wouldn't say that. And you know, talking about like where it started from, like the military and all that, I would want to also go back to the fact that my profession the surveying profession started as a military profession. I don't know if you're aware of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was good. Um, but
0: I, I, uh, I, I, I learned that from school that survey as a profession used to be exclusive to the military guys. That's one, the positioning systems we use today, the GPS mm-hmm. used to be exclusive to the military guys. Yeah, yeah. so yeah so the drones I what why why am I bringing all of this what I believe is that with time people will have to accept it because yeah when when you get to a point where you realize that um this has gone come to stay there's no other way around it you don't have a choice the, the now the GPS is becoming a very big thing uh my I, I think I, I carried out I carried out a personal research some time ago uh, just this this is a Samsung phone I use and I have this uh okay let me not mention the product name but I have this handheld receiver yeah and then I carried out a research and I got a more precise positioning from this phone than from that receiver yeah I did that on my own. So you have more accurate positioning, even from some phones, just mobile phones. Mm-hmm. So it's it's evolving. That's, that's basically what I'm saying. And the same way the drone industry is also evolving. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes. So it's it's going to take a while for some people to get really used to it. Like I know part of the discussion now is how to incorporate um, the drones into manned aviation. So that's something even the ICAO like is working seriously on. So we don't get into trouble over time. But that's been uh, very uh, proactive. That's been very proactive because it, uh, you know, at a time when, uh, like, there are places where you are already talking about drone taxis. Mm-hmm. So if, when things like that become reality, then you have to find a way to incorporate them into manned aviation.
1: Absolutely. Um, and that's that's a very interesting point that, that you start um, about, which which is the future of the drone industry um, and the whole air taxi and incorporating man and unmanned aviation um, in the same airspace. Um, how do you see that future? Um, because some people say, yeah, it's going to take three to five years. Some people say it's going to take 20 to 50 years. Um, what what is your opinion or what do you think or hope?
0: Uh... Three to five years, I may not be able to say for sure, three to five years. But maybe 50 years, no, I wouldn't agree with that. Because as long as we already have uh, drones going beyond visual line of sight, then you're already mixing up with manned aviation. Because as long as a drone can go beyond the, the visual line, the line of sight of the pilot, and then you have to track it and all that but part of the requirements for an RFPL is uh, a restricted radio license and a restricted yeah. radio license means you communicate with manned aviation so that's and i think uh, also there are requirements right now that newer drones you have um is it adsb that transponders to locate and, and to locate and get be located also so those are things that are already coming into place in preparation for manned aviation. So as soon, as soon as you can locate where a drone is in the air, as soon as the pilot can tell where it is, and can also locate other uh, manned aviation around the area and can also communicate with them. We are already having interaction between drones and manned aviation.
1: So I think we are already getting there. Yeah, I, I, I really hope so. Um, it wouldn't be very good for my business if it took 50 <laughs> years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's already well. no, getting there. Where getting Um, in there? I think definitely safety wise, um, it's going to be a lot better. Um, uh, if the computers just do it instead of, instead of humans making, making faults, Yeah, uh, that will be a big thing. Yeah. Um, where do, where do you see yourself, um, in two years? What 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 do you hope to achieve in the in the next two years?
0: Well, for me, in the next two years, I hope to have upgraded my license to BVLOS. Mm -hmm. That's one. I'm seriously looking uh, forward to that, and I hope that in two years, my company's ROC will be ready. Yeah, and then I can do everything. You know more easily <laughs> and then start bringing up more guys as pilots and then because you're you're limited in how much you can push into the industry especially in nigeria without an roc so yeah that's now you can push more and then we can you can get into other areas beyond the survey it's it, it, i'm more focused on the survey now because we have the background as surveyors it's easier for us and then you can use that as a springboard
1: to get into other areas. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're almost at the end of the interview, Rashid. Um, okay. I, I have I have a couple more questions. Okay. Uh, first of all, what what do you like to do outside of work when you're not into drones or into surveying?
0: Um, I, I love music. I sing. Okay.
1: All I'm, right. I'm
0: a religious person. I, I also love music. I, I, I love music a lot. I read when I can, I read when I can. And then I love learning new things, like getting involved in drones comes from me learning new things. I, I love yeah. learning new things. I love, I love learning new things. Um, I wouldn't say traveling as such well because by the nature of my job, I travel a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I travel a lot, so I wouldn't say traveling so much. Yeah, no.
1: and what, what kind of books do you like to read?
0: Uh I read I read biographies. Hmm. I read religious books, I read motivational books. Yes. Uh yeah, those are basically uh, apart from academic books, of course. Uh, apart from academic
1: books. All right, that's very cool. Um is there anything else um that, that you wanted to talk about? Something that you want to say?
0: Um like you said, the African drone market is an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting because, to me, well, I wouldn't know your reason for saying that, but I also agree with it. And I think it's interesting because we have so much potential that is um, not yet tapped and um, has the ability to also explode. I don't know why I'm saying that, but it it has the ability to explode because we have so many young, like, I think Nigeria, especially, we have a young population. We have have a very huge uh, uh, population of young people who are willing to learn, who are looking for newer, you know, challenges, uh, new, new areas to get involved. So... I, okay, I, I I heard about, like, the African Drone and Data Academy. I the mm-hmm. time I was checking, I saw quite a number of Nigerians, and I was just smiling to myself. Nigerians are always pushing, trying to get involved, trying to learn new things, you know. Um, African Drone and Data Academy is uh, in Malawi. I don't know if you know about them. It's a UNICEF I, I love- program. Okay, it's in Malawi, African-grown and data. I'm actually doing a course, well, a self based course with them right now on uh, data visual- visualization and cartography right now. Um, it, it's I think it's funded by the UNICEF, uh, Virginia yeah. Technology and all that, some other institution like that. You know, I use quite a number of Nigerians who are, you know, and a lot of other young Africans you know, trying to learn and, you know, create more opportunities. So it's a, it's an imagined market. It's an imagined market it has the potential to explode. That's, that's the word I'll would, I would use. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more why I said that really the African raw market is so interesting, um, okay. is because first of all, it's a lot further developed than anywhere in the world, um, what you guys really? are doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um one of the one of the only things that I haven't heard from Africa and that, that we that we are doing in Europe um is, is the whole package delivery thing. Um but I've I've like I know from Lifebank and so on that they do that um with Zipline um, and so on as well. Yeah, Zipline does that packages. in
0: Rwanda, I think.
1: Um but yeah one one of the things that we that we are learning here is how to do it in, in the big cities because there's big cities cramped up. Yeah. Everywhere together. Um, but apart from that, um I, I can tell you that, that the, the African drone industry is is a lot further developed um than, than other industries. Um and one of the main reasons for that is for example that you have the place. Um you, you have the space to do it. Um yeah. here in Belgium, if you buy a drone that has a six hour battery or a six hour flight time, you can map the whole country.
0: Are you um, kidding me?
1: <laughs> so it it doesn't make sense. There, there's there's no real use case for for yes, that kind of for those yes. kind of things here. Yes. Um. And I think on And on the other hand, um, you can also feel that that, um, in Africa there's a lot more energy in in trying to to get this new technology, in into into the daily lives. While here in Belgium, or here in Europe. Um, people are a lot more, um, I don't know uh, how to explain, um, not open to accepting um, the drone industry. Yeah. Um, so I think that is in, in summary, um, why for me the African control market is a lot more interesting um, than, than other markets.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. I agree with that um, I've seen like black- I, I, you know, I would always talk about my own profession because that's where I'm grounded. And like I said earlier, we need to get a lot done in a mm-hmm. short time. So I, that's I, also what I said spurred me, spurred my interest in that direction because I, uh, our mapping is not, you know, as um, as um, up to date as it ought to be. And this is one option, you know. But I think something we could also look at, which um, we don't have the infrastructure for that. I, I know in hydrography, you have what you call um, open source data. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have this. They have this. Um, they, the body in charge of hydrography worldwide uh, is the International Hydrographic Organization (IHO), and they have this initiative. To have uh, more of the seabed of the oceans mapped, what they do is uh, to collect data from vessels. They have it. They have. Um, I can't remember the name of that uh, initiative now, but they have it set up. And you know, vessels have you know uh, sensors installed on them. They just as they go around, they, they take the map and all of that so, the, the the idea from the initiative is that just as as long as you keep sailing, just record and send to us. And I think that, that way they are getting more information about this, you know, this one is, is free. So if you have those kind of initiatives also, as soon as people you know we fly over some areas, send them in. And then the, net, the um bodies responsible for that can use more recent images from drone flights mm-hmm. to update the map database. You could do that from satellite images, but you would agree with me that drone images are more accurate?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes, Absolutely. they are more accurate than you can do with a satellite imagery. So you could you know have that as an initiative also. Not only in Nigeria, all the areas of Africa, that way you have you know, increase the pace. Because, okay, part of uh, the philosophy we have in surveying as a surveyor is that as soon as you're done mapping an area, as soon as you're done mapping an area, your map becomes obsolete. And what's, what's that philosophy? Because the day you leave that place, right, maybe a few hours after, somebody else would come and put a structure where you didn't map. And that means your map becomes obsolete. So, mapping goes beyond just getting it done at a time, but the rate at which you do repeats. And yeah. the drone provides a very simple tool to do repeat coverage of areas for updates, you know, like that. So, if it's an opportunity, we could also, you know, have this kind of initiative uh, also in Africa, Nigeria it's also would help
1: you know yeah all right yeah i think that that's a a very interesting a very interesting idea that i i might look further into um unfortunately rashid this this is all the time that we have for today um um, i will i will leave um the the link to to digital horizon in in the description of the podcast so that if people want to check you out um, okay. They can. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank I, you. I I learned a lot, and and it was very interesting talk. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you. It was nice and
0: interesting talking to you too.